Hi everybody, um, we're back with Holy Woman 2, the second class of this series. Thank you everybody for joining. I see everybody coming in. <laughs> Hi Nicole. Um, yeah, I'm gonna stay away from the glasses tonight. Hi, hi, Shifra. Welcome, everybody. Hi, Samantha. I'm assuming Leia is your first name. Hi, Leia. Hello, Bits of Glitz. I should have put on my sunnies. Um, it's so nice to see everybody. Um, okay, so we'll get started. Some more people are coming in. Thank you for joining. Um, and I'm so happy. Oh, Jen told you I'm so happy. Thank you. Um, it's always hard because this gets saved as IGTV and then everyone has to hear like me welcoming everybody. But then again, it's also live. So it's so nice to see everybody. Um, and welcome. Yes, Freddie, thank you, Hashem. You know, Novato. Wow, we got some, got some nice people pouring in tonight. Okay, so um, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to start the first of the second uh, first of a two-part series. So we're going to talk. About, we're going to be talking about Rachel and Leah. Um, tonight we'll talk about Rachel. Next week we'll talk about Leah. But really, they're very much connected. So if I overlap, please um, bear with me, and you know we'll touch upon a little bit of Rachel and a little bit of Leah tonight. So before we get started, we have to understand something very important. Um, hi, Avrami. Thank you, Hashem. Okay, what we have to understand here is that. Um, Rachel and Leah are not just two, you know, women who lived um, way back and two of them who were sister wives that were married to Yaakov. They weren't just two specific women, two holy women, two matriarchs. They were actually builders and creators of the Jewish people. And what they did and what they accomplished in their lifetime is actually kind of like a, like a dance floor for us to survive on and for us to thrive on as Jewish people. So what we're saying is that they are kind of like these beams that Hashem created the world with. On one side, we have Rachel. On one side, we have Leah. And we have the incredible attributes, or if you want to call, um, I'm not sure what the chat is, but if there is a chat, um, they, they've created Midos that we now stand on and we now have that will bring us till the end of time. So this idea of this concept of Rachel and Leah is found a few times um, within the Torah. One time we see it in Barashas, another time we see it in Rus. And in the Megillus Rus, it refers to these two women, Shtei Banos Lavan, right? Lavan had two daughters. And those two daughters were Rachel and Leah. So we can interpret it as Shtei Banos, as two daughters and two women, but we could also refer to them as the word from the, the Hebrew word of Banos, as Bana, as builders. They are, the root of who they are is that they are actual builders of the Jewish nation. And through their children, through specifically through Yosef and Yehuda, which we'll learn about Yehuda next week and tonight we're gonna to learn about Yosef, they have created a structure and a foundation for us as the Jewish nation to live. So in a way, they're a little bit different than the other Imahos. Like, so for example, Sarah was married to Avraham and they had a child Yitzchak, but they also, Avraham had a son Yishmael, right? He had a rotten apple. Then we had Rivka and Yaakov, they had two sons, and one of them was Yaakov, and one of them was Asa, another rotten apple. So what we have now is 
Yaakov, it says about Yaakov mitaso shlema, that his bed was complete. He had the 12 tribes of who we are, and they come from Rachel and Leah. So they are the builders and the foundation in which the Jewish people and the Jewish nation can stand on, and they are what bring us to the end of time. So let's try to understand a little bit about Rachel, what we know about Rachel, and let's talk about the life of Yosef, and that's going to give us some idea as what means and what character traits she gives off to us so that we can get through Galas and we can come to the end of times and times of Mashiach. So Rachel, it says about her that she was Yifas Toar, Yifas Mara, she was beautiful, she was beautiful to look at. And when Yaakov first met Rachel at the well, that was like the hot dating spot, Yaakov saw Rachel and he immediately realized like, this is who I want to spend the rest of my life with. He got sad because he really wasn't going to be buried with her and she wasn't endgame. Leah was obviously endgame. We'll discuss that next week. But what he saw within Rachel was this, she was beautiful. And not only was she beautiful to look at, she had beautiful character traits. He goes immediately to Lavan, says, I want to marry your daughter. Lavan says, sure, work for me for seven years. Works for seven years. At the end of seven years, you know, the very famous story happens where Yaakov comes in and he switches the girls and he gives Leah to Yaakov. Rachel obviously rises to the incredible occasion and she has incredible self-control and she remains quiet and she has this meet of silence and she chooses not to say anything and she doesn't want to embarrass her sister and then she actually gives her the simanim, she gives her the codes so that she can go ahead and marry Yaakov. Now when she was giving up the codes, she wasn't just giving up like little secrets. She was giving away the love of her life and she was giving away her right and her, her, her thought process was that that's it. Like she can't be one of the matriarchs anymore. She's giving up her right to be one of the Aim B Israel. She didn't know that seven days later she was going to be able to marry Yaakov. So she chose to give that to um, save her sister from embarrassment. She was at a very, very difficult and very vulnerable moment where she could have, you know, she could have kept quiet. She could have said, well, Leah's, you know, Leah's a Nevia, Leah's a prophetess. And if Hashem wants her to know the codes, he'll give it to her in secret in some kind of, you know, prophecy. And she chose not to. And she did not want her sister to be embarrassed. And embarrassment is likened to death. And she basically saved her sister's life. So... What ends up happening here is that she starts the process for who her children are going to be. So seven days later, she ends up marrying Yaakov also, and she becomes another wife, and she has a very difficult time having children. And then when she finally does, she has her first son, Yosef, and then she has Benjamin, and with that, she dials for childbirth. Now, what she gave over to Yosef was this incredible, incredible midah that allowed Yosef to get through Galas. So let's take a look at Yosef's life, and then we'll bring it back to who Rachel was and what she gives to us. So Yosef's life was very difficult. Yosef um, started off the first 17 years of his life was actually amazing. I mean, you can't imagine growing up in a better home. He had loving parents. He had a father who loved him, who doted on him, who studied Torah with him, right? He was the Ben Zakunim. Yosef had everything going for him. He was similar to his mother. He was beautiful, right? It says the same terminology that it uses for Leah. For Rachel, it uses for Yosef. He was beautiful. Um, sorry, mommy. Um, after seven days after he was married to Leah, he married, um, Yaakov married Rachel, and then he had to work for another 17, seven years, but he was able to marry Rachel after, seven years, seven days after his wedding to Leah. Um, I don't know if that clarifies that for you. Um, so what ends up happening is that Yosef, the first 17 years of his life, everything was amazing. Everything was smooth. You know, he was beloved. He had everything. He had older siblings. Sometimes they liked him. Sometimes they didn't. But for the most part, he had a really great life and he was able to learn with his father and he, um, he had everything going for him. And then at a certain point after 17 years, his brothers, 
you know, started when he started with his dreams and he started having his halomos and his brothers got jealous of him and they wanted to get rid of him and they end up like one thing after another keeps happening to Yosef. So he gets thrown into a pit. And that was really bad. And like he could have fallen apart then. But then he gets taken, you know, by the Ishmaelim and he gets sold. And then he goes to the house of Potiphar. And, you know, he falls really low because he's asleep, but he rises up because Potiphar makes him the head of his household. So he has great, everything's going for him. And he had the whole story of Isha's Potiphar. And then he falls down again and he ends up in prison. And then from prison, he's really, really low. Like he thought everything was over. And then all of a sudden he gets pulled out of prison and he becomes the second in command in all of the lands of Mitzrayim. So he has this like ups and down life where, you know, things aren't smooth and he's able to like, you know, control himself through that. It has to be that he, this was put into his DNA from somewhere. And the question is, where does this come from? Um, you know, it's tricky because when people have difficulty um, and they're, and they're, when they're struggling, it's, it's a moment for the Yitzhahara to like to get you, right? Like if you look at the Jewish people when they were in the highest of the highest place, right? After they received the Torah and Hashem, like, you know, did the ten makos and he took them out into Mitzrayim and he took them out of Mitzrayim and he gave them the Torah and they were on the highest they could have been. And then all of a sudden they fall so low to like do chete ego. It's like, I don't understand how does that happen? So they had Moshe with them the whole time. And the second Moshe wasn't there, they were in a very vulnerable moment and they caught a fallen very low and they actually did. Um, similarly, we have this with Rus and Arpa when they were both very, very much connected to Naomi. We'll talk about this when we get to the Rus class. But Arpa was very, very high and she could have connected to um, Naomi the same way that Rus did. But it says that when she left, she fell and she was in a very vulnerable moment. And it says that she sinned terribly that night that she left. And then Rus goes on to be the great grandmother of David HaMelech. So you have those moments where when you're totally thrown off your rocker, that's when the Yitzhar can get you. And what we see is that Yosef was able to handle every single one of his difficulties and challenges with grace. And not only with grace, accepting it that it was Hashem's will. So where does he get this from? So this comes from the silence of Rachel. So when we go back to the story of Rachel on the day of her wedding, right? When everything was going for her and everything was amazing and she was beautiful and she was beloved and Yaakov worked so hard for her for seven years, right? And, he, and they were preparing for marriage. They were preparing to be, she was preparing to be this Amy Israel and she was getting everything ready and she was getting her Sheba Rachel's outfits and she was so excited and she was dressed and everything. And in walks her father, Lavan, and he says, not today, honey, like Lavan, was the trickster, the ultimate trickster, right? We spoke about him last week with Rivka, and he said, no, this is not happening. Leah's gonna be the one to marry um, Yaakov. And she chose at that point to silence herself, to be quiet, not to throw any kind of like hissy fit or get upset or start crying. And um, I always think like, I don't have any sisters, so I don't know what this would be like. Like if somebody, like, I mean, I liken it to like my daughter taking something from my closet that's mine, but like, I can't even imagine because this was like who she was supposed to be married to. She was death. This was destiny. Like they saw that she was supposed to be married to Yaakov. She knew she was supposed to be one of the matriarchs. And here she is like giving up her right and the silence and the control that she had. I mean, it's, it's beyond. And not only that, it says that she remains silent. But then she spoke when she needed to, and she went over to Leah, and she gave over the codes. So she was a medaber, she was able to speak, but she also knew when to silence herself. Um, 
when we silence ourselves, what she was doing was, she wasn't just silencing her mouth and she wasn't crying and, and, and fetching and calling up her friends and telling her, you didn't even know what happened. She didn't do that. She actually silenced her voice and allowed Hashem's voice to come into place. She surrendered herself. She kept quiet. She quieted her will and she allowed Hashem's will to take front and center. She gave her sister those codes. She spoke when she needed to, but when she did that, she instilled this ability to give up physicality, to give up the things that she thinks is right and allow Hashem to take over. Uh, what's interesting is that in the future, she had one of her descendants who also knew when to keep quiet. And that's none other than Esther Hamalka, right? Queen Esther, who comes from the Shevet of Binyamin, right? Uh, Mordechai Ishimini. Esther also knew when to keep quiet. She was in the palace of Ahasuerus and she knew at that moment that she needed to be quiet. She needed to keep her identity private in order for the survival of the Jewish people to happen. And Rachel felt the same way. She's like, I need to keep quiet. If I keep quiet, then this is the right thing to do. She recognized that this was Hashem's will. If love on her father was coming into the room and taking away her right to get married that day, it must be what Hashem wants for me. The same thing happened with Yosef. If, if my brothers threw me into the pit, this has to be what Hashem wants. If, my bro, if, if I got sold and I ended up in the house of Potiphar, this is what Hashem wants. Asia's Potiphar is chasing after me. This is what Hashem wants. He was able to weather the storm. He was able to do this throughout all his challenges. And this, by the way, this Mida that Rachel ingrained in us gave us this ability to do it throughout the years. You know, we learned this a little bit, um, and this, I, these ideas were a lot I heard from Rebbe Tzalei Kohn and from the Spasemes. She explains that when Yosef had his first dream, go back to the story of the dreams, his first dream was that he was a bundle of wheat in the middle of a field, and he stood in the middle straight, and then um, all the other bundles, which were the other Shvatim, were bowing down to him. But if you think about the wording of this dream, it's teaching us so much. It's teaching us for the future. It's telling us that a field, what's a field? A field is very different than a vineyard or an orchard, which have gates and which things are like planted very neatly and carefully. The idea with a field is that a field is like hefker. It's like open, it's like come, go. Things, you know, sometimes there's a border, sometimes there's not. People can frolic in the field, right? Anything goes in a field, there's no boundaries. But what Yosef was able to do within that hefkerness, which within that world with no limits, he was able to stand firm and erect and straight while the other Shvata maybe struggled and they swayed and they bowed and they went this way and that way. Yosef was able to stand that firm gathered bundle of wheat, was able to stand strong. And what Yosef did throughout his difficulties was stand up, pull himself together, take all those bundles of wheat and bring himself together, stand straight, stand firm, and not let that rest of that physical world around him entice him. So we had like, you know, you could have money and fame and fortune and everything that could sway you. And Yosef was able to stand strong. And that concept was given to him by his mother, by Rachel, that nothing physicality matters. Everything comes everything, all my will is second to Hashem's will. And he was able to control himself for that. Rachel teaches us that you have to be able to sometimes stay away from the physicality, shun away that and stand strong with who you are. And Yosef is the ultimate tzaddik. Yosef is tzaddik yisod olam. Yosef gives us that midah of yisod that comes from his mother, from Rachel, to be able to stand strong and know what's right and do what's right. 
Rachel obviously was tremendously rewarded that Rachel Mavaka Albaneha, that in the future, Rachel was able to dive into Hashem and he was the only one that Hashem listened to. You know, Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, everybody came and cried before Hashem to ask them to take the Jewish people out of exile. And the only person Hashem listened to was Rachel. And when she was crying, Hashem said, you can stop crying from now, Rachel. I'm going to take over because you silenced your will. You were quiet at that moment where we needed to be quiet because of that don't worry, don't raise your voice any longer, don't cry, I'm going to save the Jewish people and your merit. Um, and one last thought that I just wanted to leave you with is that in the story of Yosef and um, the story of Ashes Potiphar, it says it throughout the story that Potiphar gave Yosef everything. He offered him everything in his house. He made him like really second in command. He had everything there. He told him, you know, even if I'm not home, everything in my house is yours, whatever you need, raid the kitchen cabinets, take the snacks, go into this room, go into that room. The only thing you can't have is my wife, Ashes Potiphar. And when Yosef was there, he recognized that he had everything and he had power and he had control in the house. And then when it came to the point where he was tested with Aisha's Potiphar and she kept tempting him and, and, and drawing him in and Yosef kept withstanding, Yosef said, one second, your, your husband, my master, offered me everything, everything. He told me I can have anything here in this world. Everything is, here is for me except his wife. And I need to obey that. And the reason that it clearly says it out there in the Torah, that Yosef repeats this and says it out loud, is a nevuah for us. Yosef is saying that Hashem, he put us here in this world. We're the highest, right? The human beings. Hashem put everything in this world for us. He gave us animals. He gave us plants. If you're on a plant-based diet, whatever it is, he gave you everything here in this world for you to be able to thrive and to live. And when he asks us to do something and we disobey, how could we do that? Yosef is saying, if I were to disobey the one thing that Hashem asked for, I'm a fool. Like I'm here, I'm a Yeri Shemaim. I believe everything that you did was here for me. And this nevuah is, don't mess up. You have the possibility, you can have everything, but you have to follow in the way of Hashem. And this mita of Yusod, this mita of Tzadik Yusod Olam, of being able to withstand everything physical out there, stems from Rachel and she allows us to she allows us to, you know, build the Jewish nation on this Midav Yisod. Um, so that's really what we're going to discuss about Rachel. What we're going to do next week is we're going to talk about the Midah that Leah gives to this world and how Hashem, you know, continues to see us thrive with these two Midos of Rachel and the Midos of Leah. Um, I was just thinking, like, it's almost like Hashem is this orchestra, you know, we're the orchestra and Hashem is the conductor and Hashem is waving his two you know, wands, and one of them is the wands of Rachel, and one of them is the wands of Leah, and that's how he gets us through this world. We are, the, the, the beams of Rachel and Leah are coming through this world, and we're able to stand upon them. They're creating mitos that the Jewish people can get till the end of times, till the times of Mashiach. And we see that in her children, we see that with Yosef, we see it with Sha'ol. Sha'ol, by the way, was also a very good-looking king. He was tall. His shoulders were above all. They both had, they all had this midah of beauty. Um, Esther was beautiful. They say she was green. She was tinged, right? Her skin color was beautiful. Um, Yosef, Sha'ol, they're all incredible, incredible people that came out of Rachel. Eventually, Mashiach ben Yosef comes from them. Um, and what we'll do next week is we'll talk about the Midas of Rachel, the Midas of Yehuda, um, Mashiach ben David, and we'll touch upon the story of Yehuda and Tamar, 
um, the story of David and Bacheva and how all that leads also to Mashiach and the end of time. So thank you so much for joining. Um, I'll stay on here a minute if anybody has any questions. Um, let me see if anybody wrote anything here. Maya had no idea that Rachel was the one who was intended to marry Yaakov. That's very possible, yes. Um, oh, I'm so happy. This is Pratis. People were learning about this. Okay. Um, so thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Helen Davis. Um, I really appreciate you all coming on. And um, take care. Have a great night. Mm-hmm.